Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Mike with Rogue Media Network. As Texas opens back up, some of our shows have chosen to continue to record from remote locations. Some of our other shows have started recording in studio with very few people observing social distancing. Thanks for listening, and please be safe. This is Central Texas Living with Ann Harder. We have been staying at home for weeks, and uh, that means more cooking than some of us have done in a long time. Joining me now, Chef Oz, Michael Osborne, well known to many for uh, his uh, his years working at HEB's Cooking Connection. That was a while back. Yeah, it was a uh, while then, ago. Right, then training at the CIA in New York, and that's not to be a spy. No, no, it's it's a... It's to be a cook. A cook, yeah. the Culinary Institute of America, correct? Yeah. And, uh, and now you're sharing your knowledge with uh, university high school students. I just think that is amazing. I want to start off um, talking about that. Ozzy, of course, I've always called you Ozzy. Well, you can continue to call me that. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, it's just so wonderful to see you in the context of high school students, because in my mind, you're still that crazy high school student I used to know. <laughs> um, but now you're a little bit on the receiving end from these students. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm paying for my raising, you know. <laughs> well, well, it's just remarkable what has happened with the uh, culinary arts program at University High. Let's talk about that. Well, um, this is our, our third year, my third year. Um, it, it's the first time that they um, actually hired actual chefs to come in and teach the, the culinary program at university. Before that, they'd had a, a string of um, like home ec type you know, teachers. Um, and, and it's such a beautiful facility at that new high school. I mean, I've, I've got a full-blown restaurant kitchen. I've got, uh, you know, four um, six-burner uh, gas stoves, huge Vena hood system. Um, I've got a couple of stacked um, convection ovens. I've got a big steamer unit. I've got a, a tilt skillet that I can make 40 gallons of gumbo at a time if I want to, you know. Um, so, I mean, we've got all the, all the gear that, um, you know, pretty consistent with uh, industry standards and, you know, uh, probably better than what most restaurants would would have, uh, you know, frankly. But, uh, so how many students do you have involved in the program? Well, it, it's a four-year program. Mm-hmm. Oh. So um, they come in as freshmen. They, they do an intro course um, and then move on up and then culminating in the fourth year with what we call a practicum class. 
Um, so, you know, all told, we've got um, about 250 kids. Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, spread out between three instructors. So um, we, we have um, an, an intro teacher that handles most of the ninth graders. Uh, Erica Harder is her name. And uh, she comes from a, a good, solid food science background. And then for the more advanced courses, second, third, and fourth year, uh, those duties are split between me and um, Chef Rhiannon Ruark. And uh, Rhiannon is one heck of a good chef. She is really something. And you cover all the bases, uh, baking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and that's that's the baking end of it really is, is uh, a spot where Rhiannon shines. She's a tremendous baker. And she'll tell you, I mean, uh, she, <laughs> she'll say, you know, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm, I want to be on the line. I'm, you know, I'm a hot food, you know, girl. And, uh, but she just happens to be very talented as a baker and mm -hmm. well, her desserts are just like crazy cool. And you have even been able to now use these students and they're catering. They're actually oh, yeah, doing yeah, yeah. paid jobs. Mm -hmm. Tell yeah. me about that, how that all came about. Um, well, opportunities just started kind of falling in our laps and, um, uh, you know, first year we said no more often than we said yes because we were just, you know, trying to get the program built and and uh, get some curriculum in place and so forth. And But, um, you know, the last two years, just anything that came along, we said, well, heck yeah, well, we're going to do it. So um, the, the administration uh, has, has been good about feeding us some things that, uh, uh, that we can tackle that are, you know, sort of, you know, within the school district needs. But, you know, also some outside stuff, too, has, has come along. And, um, and, and so that's been real rewarding and, and challenging for the kids. But boy, I tell you, I mean, at every turn, they've just proved to be up to the challenge and um, really able to uh, crank out some top quality food. I mean, it's, it's been real satisfying. It's to, amazing to real world experience yeah. that they're getting. And I understand you have a student who graduated from the university and went straight to New York, right? For the well, Is that what I, I think that's kind of been on hold. Oh, okay. um, I, I think they ran into some financial difficulties. Yeah, so it's a very expensive program, yeah. as you well know. Yeah, don't I know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk yeah. about that. I love talking to folks who've kind of reinvented their lives. You didn't always know you wanted to be a chef, right? Well, I um, I really got interested in it um, about 30 years ago. I, I had just gone through a divorce. Um, my um, my ex-wife was a, a, a great cook, great cook. Uh, she'd learned how to cook at the uh, apron strings of her West Texas grandmother on this farm, you know, out close to Lubbock. And uh, she knew how to make the kind of stuff guys like to eat, and you know. So uh, after we split up, I mean, I ate out for about six months maybe, and then I was you know, I'm really getting old, and I just – came to the realization that if I wanted to continue to eat like I was used to eating, I, I better learn how, you know, so, uh, I, that, that's really what prompted it. And, um, the, the more I got in the kitchen and did, the more I wanted to do. And, um, it, it wasn't just a couple of years of, of actively being a home cook, um, that I decided, well, hey, I, I think I'm ready to go pro. And, um, so the you know the first real cooking job uh, for me was you mentioned earlier the cooking connection at yeah, HEB, at HEB mm -hmm. yeah. and uh, that was in the very early stages of the development of that whole cooking connection deal. 
So, you know, now there's several hundred of them in the state. But when I started with them, there were two. There was one in Waco and one in Round Rock. And, you know, so I was, you know, working there at, at HEB and had a lot of great FaceTime with, uh, you know, all the shoppers that came through that store. and Everybody in the world. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> you see yeah. at HEB. And, and that, that led into um, my dinner party catering business. Sure. And, and, you know, I, I was able to really get that going and get that developed. Um, and, and until, you know, it was going great guns until um, the recession in 08. And, um, you know, gosh, my catering phone quit ringing. And I was also in the, ad, in the advertising business at that time. And my ad revenues dropped to next to nothing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? You know, I'm just going broke. And so one night my lady friend, Carrie, you know, we were sitting around wringing our hands, you know, what to do. And she said, well, what do you really want to do? And, and I, I told her, um, well, if it, you know, if I had any sense, the economy's going to be in the toilet basically for the foreseeable future. Uh, if I had any sense, I'd just take this time and go back to school, you know. And um, I, you and I were at Baylor at the same time. Sure, yeah. And um, you know, we were both faculty brats. Mm-hmm. And I, I had always regretted never finishing my degree at Baylor, and um, you know, just that ate at me all those years. And so. Um, I, I told Carrie, I'd, I'd like to go back to school. Where you want to go? I said, well, the CIA is the best cooking school in the world. And I said, there's no way they'd take me. You know? Yeah, you were pushing 50, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, over 50. Yeah. And um, she, uh, I'm too old. She said, well, wait a minute. Let's just see. You know, So she starts Googling stuff up, and I started filling stuff out and mailing stuff in and writing this essay and that essay. And, you know, next thing you know, I got accepted. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. And, um, you know, so uh, then the big question was, how are you going to pay for it? You know, so um, I started filling out my FAFSA. Yeah. You remember FAFSA? Oh, yeah. And, and the cost is about like yeah. going to Baylor, right? Well, or yeah. maybe more. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not in an inexpensive place to no, study. It's not. But uh, it, as it turned out, my tax return was so bad from, the, you know, from <laughs> yeah. the recession. Times that, being bad. Yeah, I, I qualified for a lot of stuff, you know. So it, it turned out that at every turn it was doable. And, um, you know, I, I think one thing that really set me apart was I was very aggressive about uh, going after scholarships. And uh, basically all you had to do was write an essay and fill a little stuff out and mail it in and, you know, um, we were very fortunate, Ann, when we were in high school to have some great English teachers. Yes, we were. And I had a couple of them in particular, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sharon Mansfield and, yeah. and, Mary uh, and Mary Fidel. That's right. That really taught us how to write. Yeah, they did. And um, so what that did for me was it, it got me about $55,000 in scholarships that helped me get through school. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go to New York now. What what was that whole experience like? Was it? Did you have a preconceived notion of what it was going to be like to study? You know, I think Julia Child and that kind yeah. of thing. That's the vision that comes to my mind. Well, um, the the place is is uh, is absolutely stunningly gorgeous. Uh, the campus is on the banks of the Hudson River. Um, just um, in, incredible views from every window. Um, the the way the, the campus is landscaped is, is just crazy cool it's all it, it, landscaped in edibles oh you know so you uh, might, you're using it yeah, yeah you know so you might walk by and see some gorgeous little bitty strawberries and you just stop and it's all organic and just pluck one and just pop it in your mouth and just 
burst with flavor and, you know, the best strawberry you ever tasted. <laughs> but mm. it's, it's a lot like uh, uh, Hogwarts. <laughs> you know, all these little hidden staircases and, you know, hallways and stuff. You know, it's just that, that's really what a lot of people, um, you know, uh, comes to mind immediately when they take a tour of the place. But uh, gorgeous campus. And uh, I had been there in 1999. And, um, and eating in one of the restaurants there on campus. And, uh, you know, I, I never imagined that, that 10 years later I'd be enrolled there, you know. But um, life's kind of funny how it works out. Well, it is. And that, that I just love hearing these kinds of stories. Um, you, though, come out of a, a program like that. You could be an executive chef anywhere. And yet you chose to come back to Central Texas. Yeah, I, well, I, I had had a um, – I, I got to be honest with you. I, I probably was not destined to to be an executive chef in a restaurant um but there's all different sorts of career paths that you can pursue with a culinary background and um you know i'm, I'm living proof of that i mean i've done you know private chef gigs and you know cooked at, at ritzy fish and and um and hunting camps and ranches in south texas and you know doing the dinner party thing and doing restaurant consulting and um you know, uh, being a demo chef and a, and a teacher. Um, but you know, my experience there at, at um, at, at the CIA, just a couple of quick things. The, the first thing that I decided I would do when I, when I got there was to put everything that I thought I knew kind of on the back shelf and put on the blinders and learn it their way. And, you know, I, I think if you can adopt that attitude, um, all you're going to do, you're going to learn something useful pretty much every day. And that's mm -hmm. what I did. And every day was just a blast. I mean, some of the finest chefs in the world for instructors and, you know, great restaurants there to work in and practice your craft and, and build it up. And um, so, you know, uh, it, at the CIA, you can do a two-year associate's degree and that that covers all of the cooking and some a little bit of business and some you know background in wine and so forth and um but I, I chose to go the bachelor's path and um so ended up with a you know a bachelor's degree four-year degree from um, the cia um so you know uh, technically it'd be a, a degree in restaurant management i had a pretty big um uh emphasis on spirits and wine, you know, while I was there. So really kind of concentrated on that some too. Yeah. We chatted about that uh, a couple of days ago about your, your spirits class you took. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can imagine a college class where you're sitting down and you're, you're taking tastes of, uh, you know, um, eight different vodkas. It, you know, now, now it's, it's kind of swish and spit, you know, but, uh, um, yeah. So, uh, I made a wrong turn in um, in Poughkeepsie, New York, <laughs> and got pulled uh, right after class. I was trying to get into a, a grocery store parking lot, and, uh, <laughs> and a Poughkeepsie cop you know, he could smell me something on your. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he got me out and you know put me through the paces and you know had me standing on one foot and saying the alphabet backwards and all kind of stuff. And I kept telling him, I said, "You're really not going to believe this, but I I've just come from class." <laughs> And I didn't swallow. Yeah, I did. I spit. I, I promise you, I spit. <laughs> oh, man. So much fun. Well, you um, 
have been doing some videos, which I've thoroughly enjoyed, about how to use the leftovers. You know, we're trying to be frugal and yeah. not make oh, yeah. a lot of trips to the store and all that. And and there's nothing nothing worse than throwing away good food. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about your videos that you're okay. starting to do. Okay. Well, um, you know, with all of our, uh, you know, being homebound, so to speak, through through this uh, coronavirus deal, um, I don't know. I, I, I just kind of was bored and thinking, well, I, I, I need to be listening to some more music. <laughs> so I, I went back to some of my old favorite Texas songwriters. And uh, one of them is, is a guy named Guy Clark. And uh, Guy Clark had this old song called Stuff That Works. And uh, so I was listening to that song. You know, there was a line in there. He's talking about this, you know, his favorite shirt. And he, he, this, this one line, he talks about, uh, I got an old pair of boots that fits just right. And I can work all day and I can dance all night. And, and so I, I gave those lyrics a real hard listen. And, the, you know, the song is about things that last, things that you can rely on, um, relationships that you can rely on, and uh, how important that is to our lives. And I, I got to think, well, you know what? That's kind of what I'm trying to do with this, this cooking deal. I mean, um, I, I wanted to do um, a series of uh, little cooking videos that uh, – frankly, the, the school kids could watch and, um, you know, just kind of remind them of some things that we had done in class and encourage them to cook at home and so forth. But I started popping it out on my little Facebook page and the thing just started kind of taking off. And, uh, but that's the undercurrent for every one of them that I do. These are real simple preparations, but, uh, it's stuff that I know that works, you know? And, uh, well, they're so. great. Can, can anyone go and access these? Well, I, I guess. You just I mean, got friend you or something? <laughs> yeah, friend me, friend, friend me. Now, now I am kind of working on that. I, yeah. I'm told that if I'm. Oh, do you? Uh, you don't have a. You need a professional page. Yeah, I do. Okay, well, uh, if you like have a business one, page. Right. Yeah. Then that's that's and, where to. And put then them. I can make it public. And would you call it Chef Oz or? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, that's Chef cool. Oz cooks. <laughs> Chef know, Oz cooks. Something like that. Oh yeah. well, it's it's delightful to get to talk to you and hear hear your story. I like to end these with some questions that um, were made famous on the show Inside the Actor Studio. Oh, you remember that, James Lipton? Oh, yes. Yeah, he always had these great little questions, so I'm going <laughs> to pop these off of you. What's your favorite word? Mm. Insouciant. <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah, not bad. Oh, meaning? Uh, <laughs> You're going to have to tell me. Sassy. Okay, there you are. Your least favorite word? Well, I was going to say moist, but... I, I, <laughs> I think a lot of people have already glommed onto that. Actually, I like moist. Okay. Yeah. So not not a a least favorite word. Mm, I I think in the proper context, um, almost every word is fair game. (laughs) What turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Hmm. Um, Man, that whole creativity deal, you know, it's just like, where does it come from? Um, where do you get inspiration? I mean, um, I tell you where I've gotten a lot of my inspiration, uh, cooking wise is from old food memories. And, um, I'll I'll give you a good example. We, we, um, we were participating in the March of Dimes fundraiser last fall. And, um, and so we, you know, we had to put out three or four different little things, you know, um, and, and we ended up we ended up getting the best chef 
you know, the top dish award for oh, that competition. Oh, yes, right, right. I, I know the fundraiser you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so the, the little piece that we put out there um, was inspired by a place where we used to eat lunch when we were in at Richfield High School, mm-hmm. you know, almost 50 years ago, a place called Nally's. Oh, yeah. And uh, Nally's had this great little steak finger basket. Mm-hmm. So, oh, gosh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I got to thinking, you know, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, if we could take that whole steak finger basket? You know, they always had a little cream gravy and nice little strip of yeah. chicken fried steak and, and some French fries. We could just turn all that into one bite. So uh, Rianne and Ruark and I, we could put our heads together and say, well, let's take this, see what we can do. So we, we ended up um, flattening out some USDA choice ribeye and cutting it into little squares and then chicken frying that. And then we hollowed out new potatoes that we had roasted and, you know, turned those into a little gravy boat. And then, you know, had a little square of chicken fried steak sticking out of that. And then we got little Yukon gold potatoes and cut them up a little bitty and, and, um, and French fried them, you know. Oh. So we had a little nest of French fries coming up. And then and we um, jacked up some ketchup with some chipotle and, you know, <laughs> did a little squirt of that over the top. You know, it was just a dumb little deal. But it sounds amazing. It, oh, it was, it was great. And, uh, you know, it just kind of brings back. But yeah, you know, I was just over in that neighborhood yeah. where where that used to be. Oh my gosh, uh, what sound do you most love? Mm, I like the sizzle of bacon. Mm-hmm. That does not surprise me. <laughs> what sound do you hate? Uh, I, I hate the sound of um, dogs barking when it's about two a.m. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what other profession would you want to try? Hmm. Um. I'd like to be a history professor. You could do that. What job do you know you wouldn't want? Um, I don't think I'd be a very good accountant. <laughs> what do you want to hear God say when you enter the pearly gates, Mike? Um, the kitchen's to the right. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Ozzy, thank you so much. Uh, thank you. And so, and how can folks see some of your videos um my my actual name other than ozzy or chef oz is michael clinton osborne yeah just go on so go on facebook friend me i'll friend you back okay that's great thank you so much yeah thank you it's fun it is fun always a pleasure to see you It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. What's the one thing people always say they wish they still had after a disaster or fire? Photographs. 
Revision Photo Restoration is dedicated to helping preserve and restore your memories. Take advantage of this extra time you have at home to go through those old boxes of photos. If you're feeling overwhelmed by the process, follow them on Pinterest for organizational tips and tricks for old photos. They have on-site fire and weatherproof storage facilities to ensure the safety of your images, so you don't have to ship off all your memories to a larger company. Revision can handle everything from slides and negatives to film and prints. Revision Photo Restoration is local to Waco and located at 2001 Franklin Avenue. Call 254-297-9754 for an appointment or instructions on how to send in files digitally. Revision Photo Restoration. Check them out on Instagram at Revision Photo. After the shutdown, the Dr. Pepper Museum is back open to the public. Joining me now, Mary Beth Farrell, who's the Director of Development and Communications at the Museum and Free Enterprise Institute. Glad to have you here. Thank you, Anne. Hello. It's great to have things open again. Were you surprised at how kind of did it sneak up on you a little bit? It did a little bit. Yes, we were um, surprised that museums and libraries were included in the first phase, but obviously thrilled to be able to um, bring our staff back to the offices and get the museum back open to the public. Well, it, of course, the Dr. Pepper Museum is such um, an important part of Waco history. Dr. Pepper, you know, it's just, well, you just can't, don't think of Waco without Dr. Pepper. Um, the museum, though, really hasn't been around all that long. Right. The museum is turning 29 this year. and um, But, of course, the building that the museum is housed in has been around since 1906 and was the original um, plant built specifically for bottling Dr. Pepper. So um, we're in our historic building, but we're celebrating 29 years as an organization. And of course, the the opening then 29 years ago was on the anniversary of the 1953 tornado. Correct. And and the reasoning for that? Well, the tornado obviously had an incredibly significant impact in Waco and specifically downtown. And the museum building, uh, the bottling plant building was significantly damaged in the tornado. And I think that event kind of shaped, I mean, the history of that specific building of Dr. Pepper and the people who um, created the museum were a group of local people who very much wanted to preserve that building. And that event just seemed very um, poignant to them. And I think also their goal of opening it on that day was to give the city um, something happy to celebrate on that day instead of, I mean, we always, of course, honor um, the victims of the tornado and talk about that, but we all like to have something fun to celebrate on that day too. Well, it's just so cool to uh, to be able to go in that building. Um, you know, I grew up, you know, driving by it and would see this this old and and to have it be used in such a uh, a great way, you know, educationally, so many visitors to Waco are are able to learn more about Dr. Pepper and its impact. Yeah, I mean, there are always lots of fun challenges with being in a historic building. And actually, both of our buildings are historic buildings. The other building is even older. It was um, built in 1882 as the as a wholesale grocery company. Um, so we actually are in two of the oldest buildings in downtown and especially on that little kind of block area. So lots of fun old building stuff happens like leaks and, you know, creaks in the floor and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, people getting to come in that building is one of the things people love the most. And we have been doing a ton of work over the last year to open up spaces and help give people more of an immersive experience to help them feel what it would have been like in that building when it was a bottling plant. Because it was just a giant open space. You know, we have lots of little divided areas for exhibits, but that's not how it was. Those are put in by us for exhibits. It was really just one 
giant bottling room. So, Well, and a lot of people may not um, understand this, and that's that the Dr. Pepper Bottling Company has nothing to do with the museum, at least financially, right? Or do they give you any any money? You would think they'd give you some money. Right. So um, Keurig Dr. Pepper, which mm-hmm. is the name of the Dr. Pepper Company sure. now, their parent company name, they are they do not own us or operate the museum. Um, however, we are great partners with them. Um, so our kind of daily donations that we get from the public that come in, um, those are matched uh, dollar for dollar by Keurig Dr. Pepper up to $100,000 each year. It's called our challenge grant. So they view us as a philanthropic cause that they give to in that way. Um, we also work with our local distrib- uh, distributors to um, get donations of product for different events or um, you know, di- different things we have going on. Um, and we work with them closely to get all of our, our product at, you know, um, good pricing and things like that. So we are grateful to them in a lot of different ways for the support they give us. Um, and we also house their corporate collection. So we're kind of, they view us as the keepers of the history. Um, and that's another way we partner with them. So if they need, you know, um, a logo or an object for a film, or if they're licensing something, you know, to sell at Target or something like that, they will um, coordinate with us on making sure things are historically accurate. Well, yeah, a repository of the history of Dr. Pepper, um, the oldest soft drink, right? That's continually the nation's been... oldest major soft drink. That's right. <laughs> that's been bottled. Of course, I'm a Waco gal, and so you just grow up drinking Dr. Pepper. I was on your <laughs> website and, and looking at one of the videos there. One of your um, colleagues is from Michigan, and she was talking about. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I'd never heard of this as like a ginger ale. Verner's um, ginger ale. Verner's yes. ginger ale, which is a part of the, the company brand now with Curry, but uh, never heard of it before. But she grew up with that, and that's that's just how we are with those those favorite uh, foods and beverages that we kind of grow up with. And she brought Verner's in, and I mean, you can, you can, uh, get it when you know she goes home to Michigan and so she brought it in for all, all of us to try and it was we a lot of us had never tried it before and then it was funny because knowing that I was watching Parks and Recreation which takes place in Indiana and they had a Verner's ginger ale vending machine in their courtyard and I was just like how funny like I thought it was a great little tidbit like I never would have noticed that until she kind of introduced us to that so uh, lots of fun regional soda uh, things people really, really love. <laughs> well, the museum, uh, it's great that you've you've opened back up again to the public, and you're getting a, a trickle of folks coming in. Um, but it's it's not as hands-on as, say, the uh, Mayburn Museum with kids, you know, handling blocks and all that kind of stuff. So so that does make it a little bit maybe easier for you guys to keep things sanitized. And what, what extra lengths are you going through? Yeah, so before spring, the spring break, crowds um, got here, which we did have about a week of those crowds before we shut down. Um, we had already been, you know, knowing that extra sanitation measures and um, just safety things for our staff and visitors were needing to be put in place. And so we actually have been doing um, really heightened sanitizing measures throughout the building, both during the day when visitors are there and after hours, um, you know, to get ready for the next day since the beginning of March. So our facility staff continued those um, measures and, you know, we've been deep cleaning the buildings um, and taking the time shut down as an opportunity to um, refresh some of our exhibits, do some uh, things like that that we've wanted to do for a while. So that's great. And uh, yeah, we can't have our interactive uh, exhibits out on the floor right now, but uh, unlike, you know, a children's museum or something, yes, we are able to continue on with the kind of um, bulk of our content because, uh, you know, we're a history museum. So um, we've been doing a lot of work over the last two weeks to, you know, make 
uh, we have a lot of video uh, interactive exhibits because Dr. Pepper, you know, commercials are some of people's favorite things Ten, to see. Four, That's yeah. right. I'm when a they pepper, can... you're a pepper. Would you <laughs> like to be a pepper too? Yeah. So usually our commercial exhibit, for example, you press buttons to hear different eras of commercials. So now no more buttons. Uh, we just, um, mm. you know, merged everything into one continuous video that plays on a loop so people can stand there and enjoy and it for it. as long as they want to. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it might take a little bit more patience to get to the commercial you uh, for sure want to see, but everything, all the content's still there. You can just kind of get to it in different ways. Very good. Well, you do have um, a fundraising effort, though, because it is a nonprofit. And, you know, so so tell me about that. This is in relation to the 29th anniversary, right? Yes. So. Our birthday event every year is usually one of our highest visitation days. Um, yeah. We usually have about 2,000 people come through in one day, which for us is a big day. Yes, 2,000 people, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And we always throw it back to the original museum uh, admission price, which is $2 for everybody. And then we also use that day as an extra opportunity to ask for donations. And so since we can't have as many people there this year, um, you know, we can't do it the way we normally do. We have um, kind of come up with a fundraising opportunity this year to help us kind of recover those funds that we would have made if we'd been able to be open to the public like normal. Um, so people can purchase a, uh, we were calling it a virtual admission ticket donation, and um, people can give $2, they can give $4, $10. Those are, of course, 10 to and four are the <laughs> traditional Dr. Pepper donation amounts, obviously. <laughs> but and there are also options for uh, more if people are able to uh, be more generous. And everybody who donates, though, gets a $2 voucher to come back to the museum. So $2 off your admission when you come back to the museum and a great exclusive uh, discount code in our gift shop. So. Very good. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you've had to be creative about how to... Everybody has, yeah. Oh. It's been so fun to see everything everybody's doing. So. Mm-hmm. Have to be light on your feet, but that, that you know, those needs for funds don't right. end for sure. And this year, specifically for the birthday event, we were trying to raise $10,000. So it's a lofty goal, mm-hmm. but um, we are going to be putting out a lot of different um, social media posts and things like that in the next... Um, few days, and then um, we will be extending it on and throughout the entire week after the birthday event. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Well, I want to talk a little bit about you. Uh, wh- are you from this area? Uh, what brought you to the Dr. Pepper Museum? Is this a working in this kind of environment, something you, you've always known you wanted to be doing? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, yes, I came to Waco to go to Baylor. Um, I was a transfer student, and my parents kind of deal with me was that if I stayed home the first two years, they, I could go anywhere I wanted to. Um, and I wanted to do the museum studies program Did you really? at Baylor. Yes. Yeah. So that was my dream from high school was to um, work in a museum. And I started out, um, I, I was just working at a law office in um, my hometown, just doing filing and stuff like that. And when I moved to Waco to go to Baylor, I was like, I, I want to work in a museum. And of course, if you're coming to Waco to go to Baylor, you know, to me, the most fun museum you could work in would be the Dr. Pepper Museum. <laughs> sure. I love pop culture, no pun intended. Um, I love kind of... We don't call it pop, uh, <laughs> And maybe in Michigan they call right. it pop, but not right. here. Uh, so I just love that. And, I, and so I always joke that I kind of just bugged them until they gave me a job. And I started out, you know, in the back of the collections room putting numbers on the bottoms of old bottles. And then... I bet people find... Old bottles of Dr. Pepper and bring them there. Is that, are you kind of a repository when people garage sale or whatever go, oh, look, I found a. Absolutely. Yes. Our entire collection is made up of donations. We very, very rarely 
seek out specific items. Usually if we need a specific item for an exhibit or something, we um, it's brought to us on loan from a collector who we're, um, you know, have a good relationship with. But no, we rely on donations. People are always finding old bottles or old signs or things like that and calling us about it. Well, when folks come to the museum, what what is the one thing you want them as a to have as a takeaway, and I'm not talking about a Dr. Pepper float, and that's always a good thing. It's very important, away. yes. <laughs> a good very thing important. to take away. But, but, but what is it you, you want them to really feel? I mean, in general, I hope people walk away with some nostalgia and just it's supposed to be a fun place. You know, it's oh yeah, a fun, yeah. A fun memories. And, um, and other than that, I definitely hope people take away that we're a nonprofit organization. You know, we are a small history museum. We're just um, telling the story of the whole soft drink industry, not just Dr. Pepper. We use Dr. Pepper as our main example because of all the reasons we talked about with, you know, why we're in Waco and our building and everything. But we talk about the whole soft drink industry and, um, you know, we also use that as our educational tool when we talk to school kids or um, school groups about um, free enterprise and entrepreneurship. Um, we use the soft drink industry as an example. So, Yes, uh, because we haven't even touched on this yet, and that is the Free Enterprise Institute that's there a part of the campus, I guess, if you will. Exactly. It's not a specifically physical location. It's more of our the theory behind our educational mission. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we have a um, very robust school program uh, operation that we do every year. And this year we were very sad because normally our busiest month for school groups is April. So we missed out on seeing all of those students this year, which we were very sad about. Um, But yeah, so we try to tie in that idea of entrepreneurship into all of our exhibits. And then that comes to the forefront when we're doing our programs with our school kids. The most popular program that teaches this is our Create a Soft Drink program, where the kids actually get to create their own soft drink, come up with a name, a logo, a slogan, marketing. Uh, so they have a great time doing that. Oh, that that's that's incredible. Yeah, what a great teaching tool yeah. that is. <laughs> well, we're almost at the end of our time, but I always like to end these interviews with some questions um, that based on uh, really a, it was a TV show I used to watch years ago, Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton. You probably no, no, I know, no, I'm no, I know. Even know I know exactly so what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, these are these are some of the questions. Is my version of it. What's your favorite word? Oh man, I well, I don't know if it's my favorite word, but I say situation all the time. That's how I describe everything. It's like, oh, it's you know. We've got a birthday situation going on. That's how <laughs> it could be good or bad. Right. <laughs> so I don't know if that's my favorite word or more of like a just a tick I have. But um, <laughs> if I had to think of the word I probably overuse, that would be it. <laughs> what about your, your least favorite word? Oh, man. I don't know. I mean, something to, the, it's not negativity, but something to do with being, you know, I try to think of myself as a positive person and be a positive person, look on the bright side of things, you know, which we've all had to do more of recently. That's right. um, but yeah, so, so probably something along those lines, just. What turns you on creatively or spiritually or emotionally? Um, I really enjoy the process. Um, I love digging down into the details and the nitty gritty of a project that we're working on work. I love work. I love my, the work that I do. Um, I, you know, I, I love going to work and being in that environment with my coworkers and we have a very collaborative environment. So, um, yeah, just all of the little details that make a project happen are things 
that I really enjoy thinking about and focusing on um, and get me excited about a project. Well, you love your job, but what, what other profession would you like to have tried? Um, my sister and I always joke that we would have wanted to be like dermatologists or estheticians because that's like kind of our, um, our hobby, you know, obsession, all of the videos on, you know, YouTube and everything. Well, of you like have a skincare and stuff like you that. You have a gorgeous complexion. <laughs> I, I know this is, this is like radio, but right. yeah, you, you have beautiful skin. I'll t- She's I'll a lot younger you. than me. So I always joke with her that she could still do it. Go do it. <laughs> Go I, do I have it. a career. I've been doing this for too long now. I can't switch, but she's, she can do it. Well, what job do you know you would not like to do? Um, that's a, I don't even know. I mean, I I thought about being a teacher for a while. I mean, my uh, my sister was a teacher. My mom was a teacher. My husband's a teacher. I have lots of teachers in my family. Um, but, and I even went through the whole program to become a teacher. But I think in the end, I it just was not, it was not what I was meant to do. Um, not that I wouldn't have like thrown myself into it and probably gotten a lot of enjoyment out of it, but I think I'm right where I need to be now. Yeah, it <laughs> sounds like you are right where you need to be. So last question, what do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, I think just that you did okay. You know, I think I try to live a daily life of just, you know, I always go back to this quote, it's from Sex and the City, but it always tickles me is that, um, be nice to people and chew with your mouth closed. <laughs> Words to live by. I know. I always think of that. It's like, I feel like just kind of as people, you know, the best you can do is just kind of do your best, you know? Um, So (laughs) just that I would have done okay, I guess. Oh, good. Good. Well, let's tell everybody again how they can uh, text maybe some uh, donation to uh, the Dr. Pepper Museum. Yes. So over the next two weeks, you can text HBDDPM29 to 44321 to donate to the museum there will be a form that it will direct you to where you can choose your donation amount or you can just go to the museum's website drpeppermuseum.com slash hbd which stands for happy birthday happy birthday yes and uh, those will be active like i said for um, a couple weeks we'll still be accepting donations for that and Mm um you know the the party is actually happening on monday may 11th but the party will continue on um even after that so thank you to all of our supporters yeah and now you can drop by in person so that's absolutely we want to see everybody very good mary beth thank you so much it's been fun yes thank you so much for having me central texas living is part of the rogue media network family be sure to check out their other shows at roguemedianetwork.com please rate us five stars on itunes and anywhere else you get your podcasts join us again soon for more central texas living the podcast this has been rogue media network podcast